Hi, and welcome to the New Dawn podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Lusht. Today's conversation of everyday people doing extraordinary things is with Ellie Silen. Ellie is passionate and dedicated to all plant medicine, from cacao to food to pure essential oils. She lives and breathes the importance of reconnecting to Mother Earth and how there is so much healing to be found when we do. She constantly finds ways and opportunities to help people reconnect to their innate connection to Mother Earth and is magical and profound when she does. I would describe Ellie as a thought leader, someone who feels the pulse of the change that's happening on this earth and then articulates it so beautifully to those of us who are ready to hear it. On numerous occasions, Ellie has expanded my thinking on plants, money, consciousness and heart connections. She leads the charge for creating positive change and does so in an enormously playful and magnetic way. In our conversation today, Ellie and I discuss how the Gene Keys tool has really helped us identify our specific emotional wounds and then how we relate to others from that space and also how it helps us identify what triggers us. Then, armed with that information, we can ultimately move into an open-hearted space. These types of conversations light me up from the deepest parts of my soul. And as a transformation guide, I help clients with their emotional wounds, triggers, and how to practically move through them to a space of freedom from suffering. And like Ellie so beautifully explains in this podcast, we move into our open-hearted space. At times in this podcast, I wonder whether it sounds like we're talking a different language. So I hope you find it easy to follow and make sense of it as you're listening. And don't forget, you can reach out to either Ellie, me or Kezia from podcast number three to delve more deeply into your profile and find out more. This is the first of many podcasts I hope to share with you from Ellie. And I hope you agree that she truly is one of our everyday expanders. So without further ado, here is Ellie. Hi, Ellie. Hi. <laughs> so I, I'm here today with Ellie, Ellie Silen, Um, and I'm especially excited about this conversation with you, Ellie, for a number of reasons. Um, and there's so many of them that I've actually written it down. Oh, imagine. <laughs> no, it's because I get overwhelmed with feelings and emotions. I think it's that HSP thing. And if I don't get it all down, then I kind of go mm-hmm. afterwards after the fact, oh, no, I missed telling her how amazing she was in this. And <laughs> So, Ellie... Welcome to the Everyday People Doing Extraordinary Things podcast. Um, and I just wanted to say that you have been one of my greatest inspirations in the last couple of years. You have expanded my thinking on money. You have led the charge for creating change in our inner relationships, in our fractals, and in our businesses. And Ellie, when I first met you, I thought that nothing bothered you. Like you are one of the most playful, one of the most funniest people I know. And I love the heart intention that you bring to every single thing that you do. I love how you celebrate the successes of those around you. And you always seem to be at the forefront of new systems and opportunities, thoughts and experiences. You have introduced me to some of the most life-changing aspects in my life, not least my doTERRA business, the human design, um, 
system and gene keys. So welcome. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. That was really actually so amazing to hear what you just said because um it just it just feels so good to feel so seen and appreciated by somebody who I care about deeply and um that really was such an honor to hear that. So thank you so much. I gratefully receive rather than doing an English rebuttal. <laughs> Look, uh, it's very easy to say these things to you because they have profoundly shifted and changed so many aspects of my life. So, you know, I'm and I'm really pleased that you gratefully received those. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, Ellie, let's talk about um, some of the things that initially drew me to you, uh, which was the first one. And I remember this clear as day was um, I I have doTERRA oils. Uh, I have been talking to my friend about them for a little while. I'd been using them a little bit. And I'd followed you on Instagram because I thought you were hilarious. And (laughs) you always had something really good to say about essential oils. And I was like, this girl, she's brilliant. So, and then one day you did this um, Instagram live for about an hour, I think it was, on the doTERRA business. And up until that point, so it had been about two years I'd had these oils in my hand. Um, And for about those two years, I was just like, no pyramid scheme, no pyramid scheme, no, 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 so much resistance. And then you did this. I remember sitting there folding up my laundry and listening to you. And by the end of that conversation, I had signed up to the business. (laughs) What happened, Ellie? What did you do to me? Well, I had actually cast a spell before starting the live (laughs) for anyone at home folding laundry. (laughs) Knowing that it's a very meditative practice. No, but jokes aside, it's because I remember that very well as that that um, Instagram live very well too. And it's simply because when I share things that excite me, I like you. You said earlier when you have all these thoughts and ideas, you have to get them down immediately. I am one of those people in life where if I'm excited about something, I feel compelled to share it. I think it's in my chart. I'm like a Gemini rising. (laughs) So I like have to share it. And if I sort of meditate on the energy and personality of my doTERRA business as an entity, she is a very excited child who just has to share. And I just believe in life. If you really do follow what excites you and you share what excites you, then you draw to you people that are really on the same wavelength. And I know that you and I get excited about a lot of the same stuff because we really do. We we have we really the do. same taste in things that like <laughs> really fire our engines. And when they do, it's like immediate firing up. And I just believe in life that those are the people that you should work with and you should ally with in life as friends, as colleagues, as partners. And so it's no surprise to me that when I spoke from that space of pure excitement at the time, because it was like, for me, the doTERRA business just clicks on so many levels and it makes so much sense. And when things click and make sense and check so many boxes and I share from that space, of course, people like you who are on that same wavelength are going to listen, your ears prick up and you get in touch. And that is pure synchronicity for me. So I just love that story. It's such a good example of fractal dynamics in action. 
And I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about that because uh, full disclosure, you and I have just started our Venus sequence training with the gene keys, haven't we? Mm-hmm. I mean, you've been on this path a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. I think I read the, the the tome that is the gene keys in about two weeks. It was just mind blowing. Um, but I want to go deeper and so do you. And we've just started the training. But um you talk about fractals a lot, um, and, and I believe that comes from the gene keys, mm-hmm. right? Can you tell me a little bit more about that and what that means? Yes. I mean, the concept of a fractal, as far as I understand it in my limited human brain, is a pattern that repeats infinitely. And you can see this occurring naturally all the way through the cosmos. So if you compare the structure of a, of a leaf um, to the cosmos or a shell or even a musical note, I think there's various different ways of describing it. The Fibonacci sequence is another one. It's that you start to realize that everything in this world is a fractal of everything else. Everything fits together in this perfect pattern of infinite expansion. And you look at the way that nature interacts with with itself in this perfect food chain. Um, That is how life is designed to work. And, um, And you can apply that sort of system to almost anything. And so recently, I've been playing around with um, one of the aspects of the Gene Keys, which is the last sequence, the Pearl sequence, which really talks about how to release your prosperity within your community and talks very much about fractal-based business, which is simply recognizing that you as an individual are not designed to traverse this world alone and try and work out using your mind like okay what am I here to do what am I here to offer which is a trap that so many of us entrepreneurs fall into it's really about looking at yourself and how you fit into your community and into the world at large as part of a fractal and you can start to understand fractal a fractal dynamic in that way in terms of who, who is my sole family that I'm meant to collaborate with in this life? I have my family, I have my friends, and then there's something else. There's a collaboration that's supposed to happen between me and my, my allies in this life. And together, we are supposed to come together with all of our unique gifts, working together in this perfect fractal harmony. And together, we are supposed to, to create a gift offering that in itself is meant to work with all the other fractals around us so that our species is operating in this perfect harmony of giving and receiving. And it's a self-sustaining model, basically. And you you can analyze it in terms of mathematics. You can look at it in terms of molecules and atoms. It's just insane how it doesn't matter what lens you look through, the idea of a fractal is un- it's a universal language, and I'm just very interested in applying that to business at the moment. So that's just my current jam. And there's two things I want to pick up on there. The first is I that what you've just said there is my absolutely my jam too, mm-hmm. and it excites me to the point of losing words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, which is something for me and you, right? To be fair. Uh, So let's come back to that uh, because we both live that Mm -hmm. actively every single day, don't we? As people who are individual, in inverted commas, entrepreneurs, as well as unity entrepreneurs, fractal entrepreneurs. Let's come back to that because 
what strikes me, and you know, in terms of human design, and I talked about this in my podcast um, with Kezi, I think it was number three, about the fact that I'm a 5-1 projector. So that one wants to start right at the beginning. Mm -hmm. It wants to know about how do you figure out what your own unique gifts are? Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, even if before you start spreading the love and attracting the love and the fractals and your community and all that kind of stuff, where do you start? Mm-hmm. Are you asking me that or are yeah, you? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah <laughs> I'm like, you, you tell me, Don. Well, as a one, <laughs> just you're supposed to be answering this question. No, it's a really, really, really good, important question. Where on earth do you start? And I think it's more like, well, you're never going to finish. This is a lifelong contemplation that you can begin. Is is starting to look inwards, and whenever people ask me this in general, I always say, well a beautiful place to start is with the gene keys because you have this incredible map, uh, the hologenetic profile that you can create for free. And it offers you this incredible map into who you really are and your specific gifts in life and your specific patterns. And, and, and it gives you practical tools in how we can unlock those and release those gifts um, from within our DNA um, but of course, as a one, you mentioned you're a one and that um, number will be significant within human design, but also within the Gene Keys. That very question is at the heart of your purpose in life. Whereas for me, being a four, six, I'm very much about the sharing. It's like even I am not interested in pioneering new thought. That's your job. I'm yeah. just interested in the minute I hear something that resonates literally it's really nuts like the second I hear it I have to pass it on and I have to share it it's like I'm never going to be the one sitting here creating original content I'm just the one who like has to share it and I I, nothing excites me more than watching somebody transform into a state of bliss and calm because of something that I've just shared and it's not that I enjoy taking the credit for the idea it's that I just love watching somebody soften And like, that's what I'm in it for kind of thing. Okay, I got you. That's good. I will bear that in mind. I'll answer my own question then. (laughs) However, what's really interesting is um, there's quite a lot of similarity between your profile and my son's profile. Um, Surprisingly so, actually. And I see at eight years old, he has started his own podcast because he needs to share. (laughs) That is the sweetest thing I've ever heard. It's all about computer games. Let's not get too excited. (laughs) I want to subscribe to that. So cute. But he's eloquent. Like you, he is eloquent. He is really articulate. He really um, understands these concepts and seems to be able to share them. Whereas I have to dive into this rabbit hole and can't share anything until I've made Mm -hmm. sense of the entire thing and then come back out again. And that's what one of the things that really drew me to you is that you seem to be able to take these very complex ideas and systems and very quickly turn them around into an embodiment and share them with everybody else whereas I again I just I have to I can't do that I I don't have enough grasp of the entirety of it to be able to do that that's very interesting isn't it because well as a one um you are designed to be somebody who's much more inward looking And that's a beautiful thing. That's a a quality that I really admire and that I try and cultivate more of in my life. 
And it's really funny because every single morning as I sit my cacao, I, I, I try to, you know, to sit within that one energy of like thinking and contemplating and even trying to see if there's any original thought or anything new that I can access through my heart, let's say. <laughs> Literally, the second I even get a whiff of something, it's like this physical, visceral battle not to pick up the phone and share it with somebody or Simon or whatever, or the cat outside the window. I'm like, oh my God, guess what? It's like, I, I, I just can't dwell in that inward energy for too long. It needs to come out. So I really do see myself as almost like a constantly evolving vessel that is just a channel for something to come through and then come out the other side, which is why I find it really difficult to define and sometimes I, I really get stuck with this, like, what am I really here to do? Because I'm not, I'm never going to be somebody that pioneers a new system or it's just not my jam. Like, it's not my gift. I'm always going to be somebody that just <laughs> is like, whatever I'm currently into, I'm going to be sharing about it. And it's more about cultivating a community for me. Whereas for you, you're such a master of things. A hundred percent. And, you know, it's very easy to look outside. And this is where I think uh, Gene Keys and human design and doTERRA all come back to um, really, truly owning your authenticity. Mm -hmm. Because it's so easy for me to look at you and uh, as a four and see the network of people you have around you and just go, what am I doing wrong? Like, how is she making that happen? One of my friends, uh, and she's probably listening to this, one of my friends just gave birth to her fourth uh, child. She created a WhatsApp group for her nearest and dearest. <laughs> and uh, I was on there. There were 16 other women. <laughs> and I was like, what? But she's a four. And I was like, Oh, okay, that makes sense. But again, mm -hmm. it's very easy to look outside yourself and just think, I shouldn't be like this. But what human design and gene keys have taught me, and this is where you talk about peace, and I really want to come to that, is to really own and accept um, who I am and the gifts that that brings, the uniqueness, the qualities, and own those that for me is literally everything would you agree does that work for you yes I'm nodding so much and I think actually it's really helpful to alleviate that natural comparisonitis that we all slip into one of the tools that's most helped me stop doing that is by studying the six lines within jinkies the six behavioral patterns that you just see again and again and again and nobody is defined by one line we should make this clear for people who are listening is that when Dawn calls her, when I call Dawn a one and I call myself a four, this is just um, one a very tiny small part. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because I have different numbers running all the way through my profile, as do you. Um, we were just talking about it in the context of our purpose and and how we express ourselves. But um, once once I've started to learn like the archetypes of one, two, three, four, five, and six, um, and I come to really appreciate and recognize those are because they are just archetypes within everybody around me you can immediately you start to really be able to see like oh there's that that's a classic two style behavior and I have all of those aspects within myself as do you and 
before I definitely would look to somebody like you and the other people. And there are a couple of friends that we mutual friends that we have who are very much that sort of one style person. And I would definitely look at those people. And if I was feeling vulnerable or, um, yeah, vulnerable, I might think, gosh, they are so wise and so regal. And here I am just never really diving into something at the depth that these people do. Like, why am I always just dipping my toe into a million different things? So it would be easy for me to fall into the comparison trap. Um, and, and let's say WhatsApp group size, this, that's a really good tangible example. It's like some people will have extremely deep friendships with a small number of women, let's say. And sometimes I look at those friendships where you have two women who will go through absolute thick and thin, who will hold space for each other in a way that is mind-blowing to me because I actually find that a challenge. So all the way through my profile in the Gene Keys, it will say you find it hard to access your emotions. You don't really know how you feel a lot of the time. You should be open about the fact that sometimes when you witness other people displaying emotions, you can't relate and that can make you look like you're cold or that you're not fully invested. Whereas somebody like you, Dawn, is like always available to hold enormous space for whatever large scale transformations or emotions are coming through. And it would be very easy for me to look at that and think, oh my God, like I'm just, I just don't have the depth that Dawn has. Or like, I'm just not as regal or as real or as like refined or as deep or you know what I mean? But I've just come, like, I if I think that I know that that's not the truth with the capital T. So now I just love to just to, to just bring it back to all the different archetypes and be like, oh, she's really, there's energy moving through that archetype within Dawn right now. And just recognize that constant movement between all of us. Exactly, exactly. And the more I have studied them, the more I have been witness and party to conversations between you and our our tribe, our no not tribe, but you know, collective or whatever, our friends even. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> the more I really start to honor and deeply appreciate every single person's uniqueness. Uh, and the comparison dissipates the judgment of myself and not being enough dissipates my judgment of other people therefore as a consequence it dissipates and what I'm left with is just massive amounts of gratitude for where I am today um, and the people who've been drawn I've been drawn to and who've been drawn to me and to be able to have these kind of relationships that feel increasingly deep and connective and unifying. Um, But they all come back down for me is down to this fundamental thought of fully owning and accepting your uniqueness. Mm -hmm. And that's for me where I find the peace and the tranquility and the calm. Now I know that peace and tranquility is something that you're really passionate about is that does it explain does it express itself in the same sort of way for you that's such an interesting um question because you're right that peace and tranquility and soothing is like absolute top priority for me at the moment within myself and for others so i can just tell that as a collective in the world right now it's our 
greatest need is to be soothed because we're all so scared. And it's really interesting that you said that you find that peace and tranquility through remembering that, you know, your uniqueness is really what you're here to express and you don't need to try and be anything else and you're perfect the way that you are. And actually that's not, I mean, I can fully, fully get on board with that and that brings me peace too, but that's not the reminder that pops up in my heart, uh, which is really interesting because of course it's going to change depending on what anyone's going through at any given time. I would say currently what brings me most peace is twofold really. It's remembering that whatever's going on on this planet, the ups and the downs of humans and all the lessons that we seem to be learning and the the fear that we feel in our hearts, um, it's not, it, it, we could get pretty esoteric here. It's, it is kind of all an illusion. Like the, the suffering itself is actually specifically designed for human beings to evolve. So like the whole concept of suffering doesn't really exist outside of planet Earth from what I've seen. Me too. When I found that out, that blew my mind. I was like, what? Like suffering is just such a normal part of life for humans. And then when I read, like the more I read about it, how suffering itself is a concept designed to be a path to evolution, specifically for human beings, that really takes the sting out of it for me. Because then I remember that the pain that we feel on a daily basis, small and large, it is really painful, but it's also the path to grace. And that the truth with a capital T, I always say that because truth with a capital T is basically what you find when you rise out of all of that and you're just like dwelling in the void. And that's nothingness. It's love. Same thing. Truth with a capital T. That's the number one thing that brings me soothing. And we all know what that is. So whenever I get really sucked into fear at the moment, I just remember, okay, what's the truth? What's the truth with the capital T? And then it's like, okay, above all of this is just nothingness and it's that dance between living the human experience and it bloody hurting and then just remembering the truth and like rising up, almost like a line six would. Bird's eye view, right in the thick of it. Bird's eye view, right in the thick of it. But also the other thing that's bringing me a lot of peace right now is remembering that it's okay. Like where you said you've got to remember your authenticity. Yes. And for me, it's more of an action-based thing where Sometimes I realize a lot of my personal frustration comes from feeling like I have to adhere to to dogma and to other people's dogma in terms of the way I should be responding to things. I've kind of had enough of being told how I should respond to things. Like I've had enough and how I should be feeling and how if I'm feeling this, I'm wrong or if I'm feeling this, I'm right. So I'm very much at the moment feeling a reawakening of, of my own sovereignty within. I can bloody feel and act like I want. And it might not be acceptable to this person or that person, but that doesn't mean that there's like one accepted way of being. That's okay. I mean, it doesn't mean you can go around acting like a jerk <laughs> at all, but it's it's a, a really individual discovery. And yeah, I'm finding that really peaceful as when I remember it's okay to like, discover these things on my own and I don't need to have anybody justify to me that my own journey is adhering to a dogmatic way of being that's acceptable within our spiritual community does that make sense that makes complete sense and I've just massively got overexcited <laughs> again because 
you know, in in some way, that's exactly what I was saying about authenticity, mm. authenticity, because when you truly become sovereign and sovereign is, you know, a fancy way of saying empowered, self-empowered. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah. When you truly become sovereign, it ultimately means that you are truly living your uniqueness, truly yes. embodying your own feelings and thoughts and giving yourself permission to live and feel and experience that way of being without feeling like you have to apologize, without feeling like you have to justify or make excuses or try and fit yourself into somewhere else. And then out of all of that, that's when you start attracting your fractal mm-hmm. because all of these other people around you, they're also saying at the same time, well, two fingers up to you, love, because I'm not doing it that way anymore. I'm going to do it this way. And actually, and it's not saying that all of these paradigms, like I was talking to Sam in num- podcast number two, mm. <clears throat> about her her shift in Kundalini and how she's approaching that in a different way. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you say that the whole thing is wrong. No. But a lot of these systems and a lot of these dogmas and, and a lot of our inner landscape needs upgrading Mm -hmm. it needs shifting it needs to become something different right and that's when we go my voice my experience and my authenticity but not the obviously at the expense of harming others harming others Mm -hmm. you're absolutely right and it's a current trend or it's like a current phase within humans to really pigeonhole people. And I know it sounds really obvious what I'm saying, but seriously, it's like the categorizing. Because I find myself doing it. If I hear somebody expressing an opinion, without meaning to, my mind, just like a computer, will start to categorize them. It'll start filing them. Ah, okay, she said this, which means she probably also thinks A, B, and C. I immediately start making assumptions. Uh, So she must fall into this category where like, she's somebody who is into that and not into that. She probably votes this way. She probably doesn't um, adhere to this and that. I mean, it's insane. And I never used to be a pigeonholer. It's only because I've been conditioned that way over the last few years, because we've seen the most insane amounts of, um, you know, polarity within our communities in the last five years, I'd say. And I find that the conditioning can be very quick, where if you keep seeing the polarizing, you know, just in the UK with the elections, with Brexit, with COVID, with just everything, vaccinations, even me saying that, I was like, oh, I probably shouldn't say the V word. But no, why, why shouldn't I? I'm just pointing out that I've never witnessed such polarization in my life. And it's really crazy how if someone says one opinion, let's say about vaccinations, I will then my mind, like a computer, will start making all these assumptions. Okay, she's this, she's that, she probably thinks this and that. And then there'll be emotions associated with that. And I'll almost form a judgment of them. And I really wouldn't want people to do that to me because my opinions uh, on all of these different things definitely don't fall under any specific dogma. And I'm, I, I'm actually quite afraid well, when I'm in my lower vibration self, I can allow myself to become, become very afraid about the way that people are categorizing. And I just, it fundamentally goes against what I believe is real. And so I can't really remember what I was <laughs> saying at the beginning of this rant. 
Um, <laughs> but you and I have been talking about that as well, isn't it? That black and white thinking. Yes. Which is the exact opposite of being authentic. It's mm-hmm. the exact mm-hmm. opposite of allowing people to be who they are. Yes. From a space of allowing ourselves to be who we are. So if we keep making these black and white judgments on ourselves, these dogmas, this this is okay, this isn't okay. Yes. I should be doing this. I shouldn't be doing this. Then we automatically apply that into our societies, into our relationships, into the people that we meet, uh, everything. Mm-hmm. And then the the conversations that we have with people <clears throat> get smaller and smaller. Yeah. Like I will only then have these kind of conversations with these kinds of people because they reinforce my viewpoint. But Absolutely. what happens if we're not going black and white thinking? What happens if we just suddenly start to think, I want to lean in and hear what you've got to say? Without judgment, without conditions, without having an expectation of where this is going to go. Absolutely. What then? Yes. And and how can I hear your differing point of view or even hear you getting triggered because of what I'm saying and then not be triggered back? This is exactly why we've both signed up to doing the Venus sequence deep dive, because that specific sequence, which is the second of the three sequences um, within the golden path, is about your specific wounding map, how you relate to others, and what specific things are going to trigger you and how we can ultimately move into an open heart space with each other, which is by far the most important lesson that we all need to learn at the moment, which is another reason why I love drinking cacao every day, because cacao, it's no coincidence that cacao has become the medicine du jour for the, for the planet, because she's a heart opener, she's a heart medicine. and. Um, and and if I didn't have tools like um, my profile within the Gene Keys and understanding why, when I'm talking to somebody I love daily who expresses an opinion that differs from mine, my heart starts hammering and my mind starts clamping down, I can now be like, oh, okay, that's my, um, that's the Gene Key number 64 kicking in within my IQ. <laughs> the inflexible mind is beginning to chomp down and I'm becoming very dogmatic myself. So it, but it's a constant, it's a constant lesson, isn't it? That we are all learning and it's, it is, I I do find it really intense at the moment, actually, that particular lesson. The black and whiteness of everything. Yeah. Well, it's so heightened. I mean, you know, if we're going to go down the esoteric route here, Mm -hmm. um, what, what I feel is happening when I look out in, in my society and what's going on around me is it looks like the darkness is coming to the surface to be witnessed. And exactly like you were saying, you know, the suffering is a path to evolution. Um, We need whatever's out of balance. Uh, We need whatever's been hidden for years and millennia to come to the surface. Systems, thoughts, people, expressions of opinion, whatever it is, to come to the surface so that we can create something different. But whilst it's coming to the surface, oh my God, it is super intense. There's so much fear. There's so much intensity. And... And again, this is where I really, really value the gene keys is because by, and this is um, something that um, I spoke to uh, with Natasha in podcast number five is about, she reinforced this idea that every single person is important. We all have a really fundamentally important role to play 
as long as we start with ourselves. And the Gene Keys basically says, take ownership of your own shit, right? It says, look at your shadow so that you can understand where your triggers are, where your wound is, and then rise out of it like a phoenix coming out of the flames transform it into something that's loving and nurturing and that feeling from your heart radiates out it expands whether you want to or not it just it just spreads everywhere doesn't it absolutely and i would go even an an add-on to that which is before i started studying the gene keys and before i even dared to open the door the shadow door um I always had an understanding of shadow, or I think a lot of people do, that there's like one shadow, that like shadow just refers to one state, which is basically anything low vibe. And that when you you go into that shadow state and you embrace it, that you'll just feel better. But actually, it's far more nuanced than that. And the, and the point of the Gene Keys is that there are, and it's not just the Gene Keys, if you look at tarot, human design, the I Ching, so many different systems, there are 64 different archetypes. And each archetype has a low vibration and then a high vibration. And we can call that the shadow and the city on either end of the extreme. And in the middle, you have the gift frequency. And the whole point is that shadows are very nuanced and that you and I have specific shadow patterns that we've inherited on behalf of the collective. And that through our dharma, we have the chance to encounter those shadows and that by going into the specific shadow patterns, you then find the specific gift frequency, which is basically your way of actioning yourself out of the shadow. So for example, for me, in my life purpose sphere, it's the shadow of arrogance. Can you imagine when I saw that? I was like, what? (laughs) Well, when I saw it in my son's profile, I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) I can't believe it. I know. And it's just, and then the gift is leadership. And the city, which basically refers to the purest expression of that archetype, is humility. And they are not the words, as as some people listening to this will will have a um, pre-sort of conditioned way of thinking of those three words but the my point was is that it's so much more nuanced and exciting than just generally working with shadow and then generally coming out of it and seeing the the grace on the other side it's no there are specific gifts locked within specific shadows and the only way that you can truly begin to anchor in those gift frequencies and start allowing your body to become a vessel for that gift frequency to express itself into the world is by looking into that specific shadow pattern within yourself in the specific ways that they tend to come out in your life. And that takes the sting out of working with shadow so much where you're like, oh, it's just energy moving through part of the spectrum of that particular archetype. Beautifully said, Ellie. Thank you. Um, for somebody like me, um, who has been very curious about my shadow for many, 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 many years, um, when the Gene Keys came along and said, uh, "What? It's not curiosity," he says. What's the other word? He talks about reflection, contemplation, no, contemplation, mm-hmm. and he talked about contemplation. And I was like, "Oh, okay, so that's what I've been doing." Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I really get that. And in fact, sometimes I'll be so deep in contemplation that somebody would say, like, come and 
click their fingers in my face. Uh, hello, where have you gone? Mm-hmm. But I know that's not the norm. Um, tell me, um, because to work to go from your shadow into your gift, you have to use the art of contemplation, right? Have you found that journey easy? Um, it's a very good question. And the answer, no, not as easy as you, because again, if we're talking about the numbers, the line one is the natural contemplator where they, oh. it's it's much more of a natural state for, for a line one and maybe for a line six too, which sort of bookend all the other states of being. Um, so no, contemplation is definitely not something that I had done before a lot. And now it's like, my number one thing that I do and it's it's it truly is the the number one tool for uncovering the magic of life I suppose um so how do you do it well I mean the way Richard Rudd would just describe it as halfway between concentration and meditation so let's say you're meditating you're deep in a meditation and you're witnessing you're allowing your mind to become very quiet I mean there are many different ways to meditate and then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got more concentration, which an example he gives is, is let's say, kundalini yoga, which Sam works with, where you're proactively working with moving energy through. So it's much more of a sort of focused movement-based practice. And then in the middle, you've got contemplation, which he describes as, imagine if you're just playing with, with a little box in your pocket between your fingers. And you're just like moving it around and, and then you find just through moving it around, you find a little clasp, which then just pops open and then inside you find a, a pearl, let's say. And it is, it's just that allowing your thoughts to meander. So so with me personally, it's something I do with my cacao every morning now, or if I'm walking, um, you'll just, it's just thinking time, putting time aside to just think about something. And it's, it's Richard said, if you want to know the answer to anything in life, like anything ranging from what is the meaning of life to God, why are people so angry at the moment to where are my headaches coming from? If you just contemplate long and long, long enough, you will find the answer. And I don't think that's the only approach to working with your specific shadow patterns in in the Gene Keys. It's just, it's one of them, one of the central tenets to the Gene Keys. But if you're in the middle of an argument with your other half and you watch yourself behave, uh, react explosively to, to him or her, you probably wouldn't have time necessarily to interrupt the fight and have a deep contemplation. So it can be through sudden breakthroughs and like on the spot witnessing where you see your shadow patterns in action. You're like, oh my God, I'm doing it now. The very thing that I've read about in the Gene Keys. But it will have come from contemplating at a certain point. And then obviously you have the anchoring in of these higher frequencies. And that can be through a series of mini breakthroughs or it can be one a massive breakthrough where you just feel the light being unlocked in your DNA and you can actually feel that like a huge ecstatic breakthrough. Um, it's a very physical, well, the first part of the Gene Keys is really about anchoring those frequencies into your physical body. So I would say contemplation is the practice that ties everything together. But in terms of how we start to mine the shadow frequency, that will look so different day to day. It's more about just a willingness to start to see where it's playing up. Um, Do you find that when you are in your contemplative state, um, 
that there's a lot of anxiety and fear that comes up for you? No. Is it something you've experienced before, anxieties, anything like that? Absolutely. I so would, what would you say the difference would yes, be then? Really good question. I would say if I start to feel anxiety or fear, which I feel all the time, every single day, now I will start to contemplate when it comes up and through contemplation, which is in three parts really, it's um, allowing, which means like, okay, I'm feeling anxiety. I'm feeling anxiety. It's basically that's the first stage of contemplation is you allow the fact like, yep, I'm going to allow that. Like I'm going to witness it and I'm like I'm shining a light on it. And then the second stage is accepting it where you begin to allow that um, anxiety to blossom in its fullness. And then this third stage would be embracing it. And these can happen kind of within the space of one contemplation or you can apply that three-stage process to you know your whole life really but those three that little process from one to two to three makes up kind of contemplation so it's not that when I begin to contemplate I necessarily start to feel anxious it's more like I use contemplation as a soothing tool when my anxiety comes up and it will always help always I love that, Ellie. That feels like a very um, practical tool that people can use to um, navigate, especially with fear and anxiety that they're feeling at this time. Mm -hmm. Um, It's certainly something that I've experienced. And I know that the allowing phase and the, well, every single one of those I have resisted vehemently and with with force. Like, I don't want to allow, I definitely don't want to accept it. And why the hell should I I embrace? (laughs) Yeah, what? I'm not going to do it. It's like stages of grief almost, isn't it? Um, Absolutely. And then one thing I'll say that if anyone is feeling in a state of like paralytic fear or anxiety, like I was a few days ago, I was possessed by a fear that was so visceral and so all-encompassing. I can't tell you. I was so gripped by fear for, for, for about half a day that I was sobbing and like screaming in frenzy to myself. And somehow even from the... And it wasn't my fear. I mean, it was like something possessed me, literally. It was pretty scary. And I was in pure, I was in a state of despair. And I don't use that word lightly. I've probably never used that word before for myself. And in the midst of the despair, I was like praying, using my oils, and nothing was really alleviating the feeling. But that in itself, I started to accept that like, oh, I'm not necessarily going to feel the balm to my soul immediately. Sometimes you don't feel that until the next day. So if you're in the depths of despair and you start to try and apply that tool of contemplation, which is the three steps of allowing, accepting, embracing, the allowing phase isn't necessarily going to bring you the relief that you're craving. And it doesn't have to. All it means is that you acknowledge that you're feeling in despair. And you don't always feel the shift yet. The shift will come after that. So it's just really a keep going, chin up message that I wanted to give to anyone. It's like the allowing phase is really uncomfortable, but it's where the most alchemy happens, in my opinion. I agree. Um, I was watching a little film the other day uh, called Smallfoot, 
with my son and at first I was uh, as we started watching it as is my way I'm very um I'm not always very open-hearted with his film choices <laughs> um but so this one came on and Bigfoot is talking to some of his other colleagues uh colleagues friends you know contemporaries, <laughs> contemporaries. and he's saying um oh no we don't talk about our feelings we push 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 them down and put them into little boxes and we put them over to one side and then we cut to another scene where these these about three people three other yetis who are in secret talking about how to open their boxes and how to liberate and find truth and all this kind of stuff and at that moment I was like yes Drew we're watching this film I love it this (laughs) that's lovely though it is lovely but up until that point all of the other yetis were just really pushing down and reinforcing the illusion that everyone else was absolutely okay. I'm okay. Are you okay? Yes, I'm okay. And everyone was just like pretending to be okay. But like you say, the alchemy comes when we say, hand up, I'm not okay. Hand up. I am absolutely going to allow this feeling, this emotion, this experience space in my life. And yes, it may take up an awful lot of space to start off with or not, depending Mm -hmm. on what's coming up for you. But the only way is out, right? You know as well as anyone else what happens when you keep it in. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So let's unbox those boxes. Let's allow those feelings. Yes, to move through. To move through, Mm -hmm. to move out, to break free, liberation, freedom. I'm sure that's a French rally cry I don't know <laughs> I'm sure it is <laughs> my dad would know <laughs> yeah exactly um but uh one of the things that I've noticed that you've been more and more into uh lately is really this plant-based medicine is that mm. what you would call it mm-hmm. yeah plant Plant medicine, yes. Plant based, uh, plant medicine. What does that mean to you, mm-hmm. uh, and how does it fit in with everything that we've been talking about? Oh, I just love that question so much because if you'd asked me this two years ago, what is plant medicine? Well, if you'd asked me this three years ago, I'd say I have no idea what you're talking about. Two years ago, I would have said, "Oh, that's just like ayahuasca and things like that, like these big master plant medicines." And now, what I've realised. I have a new way of looking at the word plant medicine, uh, the words plant medicine and also medicine. So to me, medicine just means anything that feels like balm to the soul that helps us process life. And plant medicine to me now means it can be walking outside in mother nature, reawakening your spiritual and your emotional bond to her looking at the trees and just feeling a sense of peace. To me, that really comes under the the umbrella of plant medicine because that is the whole, plants are here to offer that medicine to us. And, And every, this is like my favorite gateway into explaining plant medicine to people. It's like everybody on this earth has had at one time a feeling of oneness with nature. And it's very often through trees I've noticed being in a forest, like everybody can conjure up that feeling of peace and oneness. When they look at the stars, when they're with the plants, when they've lain in the grass, when they've been in a summer picnic and they've spent the afternoon lazily snoozing on the on the meadow or something like that. Like these words are balm to our soul. 
And you can, you can actually start to harness that and become more nuanced. And so what I like to do is embrace all sorts of different plant medicines. And my favorites at the moment are working with essential oils in an extremely specific and targeted way. So at the moment, I'm doing a course on working with oils on aroma, um, on acupoints, sorry. So for example, taking Chinese acupressure points and very specifically selecting oils and, and applying them on these very specific points. And it's a combination of working with oils to support our physical and our energetic body, but also communing with the plant spirit. So while you're working with these plants, you would, for example, have a bottle of neroli and you would begin to invite in the spirit of neroli or the spirit of lavender or whichever plant you're working with. And I find essential oils to be a really beautiful, accessible gateway into working with plant medicine and understanding the role of plants on this life. And the more you start to work with them, and, and you know, this can take a while or it can be quite quick, you start to understand like the flowers and the roles that the flowers have on this earth, the tree oils or the root oils, the leaf oils, the seeds. And through coming to more of an understanding and a communication with plants, so cacao is another plant medicine that I work with every day, you really start to come into such a deep, reverent communion with the earth that you just don't feel alone anymore. And I find that to be one of the most comforting and soothing and special um, kind of allies that we have. And I'm just beginning to realize more and more and more, like whilst we have suffering as a paradigm, that's why plants are here because they are there to be, I've said this phrase a million times in this, in this interview with you, and I've never used it before, balm to the soul. Like it is balm for our souls. Like I, I really believe that our, um, our mission of suffering is very closely linked to Mother Earth and that she is here to transmute that suffering for us. And that's a beautiful thing to kind of get involved with and start to contemplate. And so I'm very excited about spending the next 10 years or whatever, diving deeply into that specific little paradigm. Me too, Ellie. <laughs> me, me too. I, I'd love to share with you um, something that I've been working with lately, and that's Rose. Yes. <clears throat> because... Through the the clients that I work with and and myself, so obviously, you know, the, my my teachings, my work, my everything comes from a place of self experience to start off with. And this, when when you're in deep suffering, perhaps your experience is different, Ellie. But when if in mine, um, when you're in deep suffering, that inner strength. It's like we forget it's ever been there. It, it's almost like it gets erased. Mm -hmm. It's not there at all. And as 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 let's say divine human beings, um, we have this innate like rod inside of us our, down our hara line, which is our core, and it's supposed to be like a solid pillar. So whatever happens in our lives, we are like weebles. We just fall over and then we come straight back up again. We are solid and we just move like the um, branches on the leaves of a tree. Um, but when the wind stops, we come back to center. And what I found using the acupressure points 
I actually, I don't know if they're acupressure points. Um, I've been doing training with, um, I can't remember him, Tiffany Carroll. And I put a drop of rose on my crown and I put a drop of rose on my tailbone. Mm. And then for seven minutes, I sit in meditation Mm. and I invite rose to connect from my tailbone all the way up the center of my core, which I call your Hara line, connect up with the crown of your um, body and then trace all the way back down again. And as you're tracing up and down, Rose seems to work in this unique way where Rose for me seems to be like this archetypal, strong mother energy, like the most held you have ever felt in your life. And she seems to be re-sewing this strength of core in the middle. And then after you've finished working with her, it's almost like you can feel this shift, this strength that's starting to happen inside of you. Um, And I can see it with my clients, you know, uh, men and women. This is having a a really fundamental impact on their fear levels, their anxiety levels, their sense of self, their ability to connect with their authenticity because their core is strengthening. Oh, that's incredible. It really is Mm. so beautiful. And that's just one oil. I know. You You could spend your whole life just getting to know one oil really, really deeply. What's your favourite oil, Ellie? I mean, that question is very, it's like saying what's your favourite CD, but um, (laughs) I think the one that I keep coming back to is Manuka because she, she really does make me feel like she's Mother Earth holding me. And um, it's, I just find that the aroma of Manuka to be the most intoxicating, divine smell of all time. So that's my number one oil. Now, annoyingly, you can't actually buy it in, in the UK or in Europe. So I have one bottle and it's very precious to me. <laughs> Where can you buy it? Is I think it just it's Australia? only in New Zealand and Australia, yeah, because it's, it's um, indigenous to there. Well, that's annoying. (laughs) But it's so beautiful what you said about Rose, because like we are in the Western world, you know, really quite disconnected from the plant kingdom. And a rose, we we all, it's all inbuilt in us, the the correct or the like natural way to look at Rose, because we look at a rose and we see how beautiful it is. And then we, our mind just sort of shuts off and we crack on with our day. And we might just go and cut some roses and put them in a vase. But there's no like long-term nurturing of a relationship with the rose plant outside your house. And I just have observed how um, more ancient cultures will really cultivate much more of a relationship of reverence with their plants where they will go and sit next to a sage bush for months. There'll be like a master sage bush, which the whole community reveres. And, you know, if you have a greenhouse, for example, you could have a practice of going in every day and just sitting with your plants and and asking questions or just, you know, showing your devotion or with your rose oil, instead of just slapping it on slapdash, as you say, you're, you're working every day or however you work with rose and you're asking advice. And it's just like any other relationship. It's not something that you just go straight into a really close relationship with that plant spirit. It comes from from showing up repeatedly and showing respect and then asking, humbly asking with humility in your heart. 
And that is actually the correct and natural way for us to interact with the plant realm. But it does take time. And I agree, mm -hmm. but it takes time to cultivate that kind of relationship, doesn't Absolutely. it? Because it's not something I found that I could go into straight away. Yeah, likewise. Um, it was it always started more with the physical like mm -hmm. what does rose do for my blemishes mm -hmm. what does mm -hmm. <laughs> to the face yeah yeah and there's nothing literally nothing wrong no, with that no. absolutely um it's just a a gentle evolution like absolutely. i still use rose for my face mm -hmm. i do um but now i i've started to be able to use her in other ways and what i really love absolutely. about rose also is that she is the epitome of healthy boundaries. Mm. Because Rose, at its center, at its core, she is soft and gentle and beauty, beauty incarnate. Mm. But she's got these prickles that are very defined and very sharp and very pointed. So it's almost like saying, appreciate me, but I have boundaries. And that, I think, is also another lesson that I've definitely had to learn throughout my life is Gosh. being able to have healthy boundaries. That's so true. And you're right about the thorn, uh, the thorn, the rose being such an archetype with the thorn. It's just like shadow and gift, isn't it? Exactly. It's just beautiful. Like we can all see with the rose and her thorns that she has these, yeah, these big spikes that if you're not careful you will prick yourself and it will hurt and you'll draw blood, which then is the same color as the beauty of the rose, um, if it's a red rose. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and she's unapologetic with it, isn't she? Exactly. She's like, it's just this part is of me. It. Yeah, it's yeah. just part of it. And if you want to enjoy the rose, you have to navigate the thorns. And it's just, it's a beautiful, and actually bringing back to contemplation and archetypes, that, that's been a really interesting way to start looking at the world through the lens of archetypes. You could just take a rose and just contemplate everything that we just said, the thorns, the way they work with the flower, and what that represents. And you could literally just think about that for a month. And I'm sure through thinking about that for a month, you would begin to have a really deep understanding of so much of life, because it's such an archetype. And, and when you start to see the thorns as one end of the spectrum from the petals, it's not one isn't better than the other you're just looking and focusing at one thing at a time. And that, that ta again, takes the sting out of it, doesn't it? It takes the sting out of life to see it as, oh, right now I'm just pressing on the thorn, but I can take my finger off and then I can, you know, play with the petals for a while and I'll feel differently. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All part of the whole. The whole flower um, of life. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ellie, you also drink cacao and not just any cacao it's not like the <laughs> organic cacao off the shelf in the natural food shop um and it's definitely not cocoa so what what is it that you're drinking and why are you drinking it great question in a nutshell what is it that i'm drinking um i am drinking what is commonly known as ceremonial grade cacao which is one of mother nature's plant medicines and the reason that it is different to the cacao that you buy in a health food shop is because you, you roughly you can sort of categorize cacao into three very roughly. One would be like a chocolate bar that you buy in Tesco's, which will be, you know, um, very processed and um, will very often come from um, 
genetically modified or, or hybridized strains of cacao. And there are many, 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 many hybridized strains of, of the chocolate tree. Um, one of the most common ones is called CCN51, which refer, refers to how many times it's being hybridized, 51 times. So wow. the vast majority of chocolate comes from hybridized strains, which if you're a purist, you recognize that that is not a native strain. It's created by man. Then you have the cacao powder, the organic cacao powder in a, in a um, health food shop. So that will be just an extract that'll just, that, that won't have any of the fat from the cacao bean. It'll just be one aspect of the cacao bean. Um, so that's all very well. But it's, again, not a plant medicine because you're, you know, it's, it's been processed in some way. So even if you took a native strain cacao pod and you just extracted one part of it, that's not a pure plant medicine. When you work with a native strain cacao tree, like in the case of the cacao I work with, it's called cacao chuncho, which grows in Peru. It's a very rare strain and it's endangered. And when you work with it in its entirety and you you use artisanal methods to, you know, pick the cacao pod, ferment it, and you use, you know, very gentle methods to create this, this powder and then this drink, you are working with a plant medicine. And just like every plant has its own essence, its own wisdom, the cacao, the function of cacao in this world is really like it can do anything, I think, but mainly it's, it unlocks your creativity and opens your heart. And it is a beautiful way to start the day for me every day. And, that's and is that what you used it for? Yes. Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I drink cacao every single morning without fail. And yes, I would say the two, I mean, I had to yesterday write a list of 10 reasons why I drink cacao. Um, and I mean, some the, the main ones were it really opens up my creativity channels. So it doesn't matter what it is, whether I want to come up with some cool thing, cool ways to work with essential oils or to share them. So as an entrepreneur, it's very much an ally for me. It's how can I engage in my work in a really playful, creative, meaningful way? Um, it allows me to connect with other plant medicines like essential oils. Um, it allows me to trust in life. It's a direct channel back to Mother Earth. Um, it's very heart opening and healing. So you can choose to work with specific shadows. Let's say that you decide that you want to spend a morning working on a particular shadow pattern that you've realized has been playing up recently. You can actually intentionally work with cacao to really help healing that specific shadow pattern, anything that requires opening the heart. So, I mean, we could we could have talked just about cacao for hours. It is the most incredible, valuable, sacred um, offering from Mother Earth at this time. And I highly recommend anybody listening to, to try working with cacao and just see the short and long-term effects of working with her in your day-to-day -day life. I think it would be a really um, wonderful idea for you to come back and dedicate some deep time to talk about this because I know from my personal experience as well, I've had some very, very profound experiences with connecting with cacao and from somebody who is, who, and I've spent most of my life being a very logic head person, being completely disconnected from my feelings and my heart. Um, that cacao has helped make that bridge for me. Um, 
and I would love to wax lyrical about it for mm-hmm. longer than mm-hmm. um, is that an experience you've had as well or exactly yeah. that mm-hmm. softening into the heart space and it's a one-way ticket so this is the thing is the, the longer you drink cacao um, the more you start to realize that you're descending and dropping into your own heart space and it's permanent <sighs> Oh, thank goodness. Yeah, it's permanent. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have your heart closing at times, but once you've really begin to experience your heart space, it's like a door that can never be shut. I love that. Yeah. So Ellie, if there was um, one thing that you would like our listeners to take away with them today, is there something hot on your heart that you would like to share? Oh. Well, I would just say, look, we are here at this time on this earth for everybody has their own reason for incarnating at this time. But I'm with you. (laughs) Like this is a really crazy journey, but I've just realized that's what life's about. It's embracing the pleasure and the pain and the totality. And I've spent far too long being scared of pain and suffering. And it's only in the last few years that I'm realizing how much true joy and grace comes from embracing the whole gamut. I've never said that word out loud in my entire life. It's like a film. It is a film and there's these incredible ups and downs. And just know this, if you're going through some major ups and downs in your life right now, it's all good and everything is going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. Words to live by, Ellie. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, I think that's it for today. Will you come back on the show? Just try and stat me. Lovely. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Dawn. Thank you, Ellie, for reminding us that everything's going to be okay, even if right now all evidence points to the opposite. It's incredible, isn't it, the time we find ourselves in right now? Who'd have thought that this would be 2020? And yet, here we are. When I look inwards to myself and in the world around me, I see us making the journey from our heads to our hearts, from overthinking and back to feeling, connecting and loving. And I think that's where peace is found. Some say that the greatest journey we'll ever make is one from our heads to our hearts. And like Ellie said, we have spent too long being scared of our pain and suffering it's time to embrace the whole experience and come back through to the other side. Everything is going to be okay. And in the meantime, let's keep dropping any thoughts of comparison and of not being enough and of judging ourselves. And let's learn to identify, accept and honour our specific gifts and fully accept and love our uniqueness. Once we step into this space, we can then do the same for others And that, I think, is where freedom is created. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. And if you'd like to find out more about Ellie, you can reach her on her Instagram at Ellie Silen, E-L-L-I-E-S-E-I-L-E-R-N. And her website is elliesilen.com. She also has a podcast called Gaia's Toolbox that you can find on all the uh, podcast platforms. If you want to find out more about inner child healing, opening your heart and working on your freedom from negative thought patterns, then you can reach me on Instagram at dawnlusht underscore 
and the website is dawnlish.com. In the meantime, keep believing in yourself. <laughs>